0: It's been a little while, so I don't remember if I know how to do this or not, so (laughs) bear with me. No, man, it's good to be back. Uh, I just want to say, man, we appreciate you uh, allowing us to go and uh, have a vacation and a time of rest that was well needed um, for our family, but even beyond that, I know many of you guys are praying and know that, like, you know, our kids are still struggling and trying to transition here and figuring things out, but um, so we're really concerned with going back and seeing family and how they'd come back, but... Um, I knew it was. It has to be because of your prayers and because of God that, you know, by, you know, two-thirds to our vacation, they're like, we're ready to go home, and, um, you know, which made the rest of our vacation kind of a pain, but um, you know kids, right? You do all these things for them, but, um, man, I'm glad that we get to call this place home, and we're good, and just glad to be back and be with you guys, so, (laughs) but uh, before we get started today... uh, I need everybody to stand real quick. All right, um, we're gonna play a game, okay? And uh, because, man, I I got to speak at a youth camp, and I'm like, man, they get to have so much more fun than we get as adults. And uh, so we're playing a game, and uh, you guys maybe have heard it before. It's called Simon Says, okay? And uh, so, you know, I'm gonna give out some simple commands. And if Simon says, then you do them. If I don't say Simon Says and you do it, then you gotta sit down, okay? Everyone understand? Raise your hand if you understand. All right, you guys got to sit down. Simon is, say, uh, it was a good, good shot there, okay? All right, Simon says, if you understand, raise your hand. All right, you guys are pretty good at this. Okay, touch your head. No. Uh, oh, oh, there's a few of you guys, maybe halfway, okay? Simon says, touch your head. Simon says, touch your stomach. Simon says, touch your shoulders. All right, now touch your knees. Uh, there's a few of you, we're pretty quick at this. How many of you guys can even touch your toes? <laughs> if you tried, you're out, Simon and say. All right, Simon says, hands above your head. Simon says, wave them like you just don't care. Uh-oh. Simon says, it's a party in the USA. Okay. Uh, oh, some people put their hands down, and didn't say. I saw you. Don't cheat on me, okay? All right, hands on your hips, hands on your knees. Uh, <laughs> Simon says, one hop this time. All right, right foot, let's jump. Oh, man, it's hard to not do the dances, isn't it? All right. Some of you guys still got your hands up? This is real good. Okay. Simon says, you can put your hands down. Simon says, the rest of you are winners. All right, let's sit. All right. Man, I love that game because it's, it's easy, right? The, the rules are simple. Simon says you do, Simon doesn't say you don't do it, right? And uh, what's kind of funny to me is that in real life, there's some things in scripture that are pretty simple. And, uh, you know, if we would just take a moment and play Jesus Says, we'd probably realize a lot of places where we just have to sit down because we're kind of missing the mark a little bit. Right, you know, I I was, uh, I think it was Francis Chan was talking about this part. He goes, you know, what's funny is uh, when Jesus says to do something, in the Bible, you know, we're like, you know, instead of doing it, you know what we should do? We should start a small group and talk about it. (laughs) You know, maybe we got to learn a little bit more. You know, what does that actually say in the original Greek, right? You know, like, what's what's the meaning behind it? Maybe if I just do what he says, I'm not even doing it right. Who knows? You know, we got to really study this thing out. You think Simon wants us to do that? You know, like Simon says, put your hands on your head. You're like, but did he say that in English? Really? You know? You know, what if we had, like, the original Samoan language, Simonian, I don't know, you know, or let's have a Bible study. Why would Simon even want us to put our hands on our heads? You know, it'd be like if I I talk to my kids, and I'm like, hey, you guys go clean your room, and they, they come back a half an hour later, and she's like, I've memorized that command. I got it down. Ask me. I'll tell it right back to you. I got it. But never cleaned a room? I'm like, no, you're missing the point, right? Or what if I was like, you got you to take care of your room. And uh, she's like, you know, I got a group of friends coming over later. We're going to discuss what cleaning the room would look like. <laughs> we got to start a committee, maybe. You know, maybe, maybe I'll be the lead room cleaner. But, you know, it's like probably not my responsibility. I'll get some other people underneath me to do it. Um, we'll see. We got to have quite a few meetings, you know, organize it, figure it out. We got to get a treasurer for the, uh, the room cleaning funds. Um, But what's crazy is that, you know, our children know better, right? When we ask to do something, I mean, most of the time, do better, right? They know what they're supposed to do. They understand that there's a command and that an action should follow. Do you think that when we show up before God, that he's going to be like, man, it's so great that you knew all these things? so great that you had it memorized, that you had all those Bible studies, and you, you got to know it deeper, so you'd be like, man, I'm just proud of you for trying, for hearing the action and, and stepping out. You know, and today I want to challenge you something. Do you actually know something if you're not actually doing it? Right? We're still in our series, Headlines of Jesus. I knew we'd take a, a few week breaks all over, but... Uh, uh, Noah and I were discussing like, should we move on to a different series and things? I'm like, man, we've only like two chapters into the Gospels and we said we're going through the Gospels. So um, we're going to be here for a little while longer. But we, we are looking at these headlines of Jesus, these things that Jesus did in his life. And as Christians, it literally means to be Christ-like, And our goal is to try and do our best to be a reflection of him. And we we know that on this side of heaven, we'll never be perfect. We'll never reach the perfection of the exact image of Jesus in any power on our own. But God does give us the grace. He does come alongside us and give us the power to try our best to look like him and to be a reflection of him into the world. And so we're taking these headlines of Jesus' life and going, how can I apply that to my life so that I can try and reflect him well? And today's headline is that Jesus made disciples. We're actually going to start at the the end of Matthew this week, where you look at a command of Jesus and then look back at how Jesus did that through his life. Um, So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. Right? I mean... In reality, this message should end here, right? Jesus says, go make disciples, teach them what you know. And the the reality is discipleship is that simple. Now, we have overcomplicated it at times. I think the the church, trying to be helpful, you know, put out all these resources and all these different ways to, to make disciples, but the basics of it is to just find somebody and teach them what you know and that you should have someone in your life who's teaching you what they know about Christ and helping you go more like him. Now, some of you who have been attending here for a little while ago, we've, we've kind of talked about discipleship already this year. And, uh, and if you've been in our growth track, we talk about discipleship there because this is something that is very important Right? This isn't just some, some random hidden thing in scriptures, but it was so much a part of Jesus' life that it literally takes up majority of the gospel Is Jesus' interactions with his disciples and how he discipled them. And so it should be a reflection in our lives that the majority of our Christian walk should have discipleship involved in it. And so that's why we teach it. It's part of our purpose statement of, of uh, gathering community, grow in Christ, and go serve the world. You cannot grow in Christ without discipleship in your life because that's how Jesus grew his disciples. Now, some of you you may be like, oh, I've heard this whole discipleship thing. I've tried it before in my life, but I it just didn't it, I couldn't ever figure it out. It never worked well. And I maybe today don't start off with a, you know, with those things. Just clear the slate and let's just look at how Jesus made disciples. And then we'll see at the end maybe we can reapply these things to our life. So, you know, to, how, to make disciples, you have to have disciples. You know, it's kind of a, you know, a part of it. Um, it's like someone who calls himself a leader without any followers. You know, or a follower without a leader. You, you need the disciples. So how did Jesus find his disciples? So we're going to look at John chapter 1, 30, verses 35 through 42. And this is the first account we have in Scripture of Jesus making some disciples. It says, Then the following day John was again standing with two of his disciples, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Right? Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. Yeah, so this is, you know, we read this and we're like, oh, look, they followed Jesus. They took on the no, it was kind of creepy, right? <laughs> they, they started stalking Jesus. It's literally like, they were like, John's like, that's the Lamb of, Lamb of God over there. It takes sin, sin of the world away. And they're like, I want to follow that guy. And Jesus didn't know they were following him. Right, that's why he turns around and he's like, whoa, what do you, what do you guys want? Are you going to mug me? Like, what's going on here? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Right, And so they, you know, they kind of let down their guards there by calling him teacher. Like, hey, we just, we just want to learn from you. We're not here for anything more. And Jesus says, come and see. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Right, so how did Jesus find his disciples? Well, two of them heard about his reputation and wanted to get to know him better. So what did he do with them? Right, it says He took them to a small group Bible study, followed by a long church service. No, it says that he invited them over to his house. To where he was staying. They're like, where are you staying? And he's like, oh, just come and hang out. That's all all I said. They came and they remained there for the rest of the day. They got to know each other. Four o'clock means, you know, nearing dinner. So they got there. They probably prepared dinner together. Ate, broke bread, and just hung out, played some Xbox. I don't know. Just box back then. Uh, But that's all they did. They just hung out. Jesus didn't like, all right, I got these people who are following me. Yeah, I got a Bible study planned for next week, you know. Let me get your information. I'll see you at the Bible study. No, he just took them where he was staying. Maybe that's the key to what discipleship is supposed to be, right? I just, I just love that they heard about Jesus' reputation and wanted to follow him. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but part of discipleship happens when you have a reputation that other people want to know where it came from. How did you become who you are? Right? And they'll want to follow you. They want to be around you because you have something that they don't have. Secondly, I love that Andrew went and found his brother Simon and brought him to meet Jesus. Right? Because your disciples will be people that are sometimes brought by other people who you're discipling. One of the interesting things about Andrew and Simon Peter is they didn't actually continue to follow Jesus right away. Right? They hung out with him that day and they're like, all right, Jesus, this was a great time. Jesus is like, yeah, just shoot me your, your info. or will add you on Facebook or something. And, you know, we'll stay in connection. You know, don't forget Bible study next week. You know, and uh, they both met him. And maybe they didn't know what to do. Maybe they were still unsure about the whole thing. But they didn't stay following him in that moment. Because when we look at the other Gospels, there's another story shared through the other three of a different time that Jesus encountered them when they chose to follow him. Right, and this is in Luke 5, 1 through 11. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them um, and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. You know, this is the reality. Is they've hung out with Jesus one time, Jesus is showing up and trying to tell them how to do their job, right? And they, they respect Jesus. So it's like, Master, you know, we we've, we were up all night, okay, fishing there. But if you say so, you know, stranger, uh, we'll let down our nets again. And at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they begin they begin to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. Soon both boats were so full of fish that it was literally on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what was happening, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, um, as were others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Right? You should be afraid. Uh, but as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Now, I, this phrase that they left everything, sometimes we, we take it as this big, like, I mean, it is. It's, it's leaving everything. But the reality is they still have, like, responsibilities and things outside of That You find out that some of the disciples even had Um, Spouses and families that they went back home to to care for throughout this whole discipleship thing, and so some of us are like, I can't be a disciple because I can't leave everything. Like, I have family. I have to provide for these people. I have these things in my life. And the reality is when they left, everything is what they they decided to change their identity of being fishermen to be fishers of men, you know, and, and be these followers of Jesus. Now, things in their lives, not everything, it wasn't like, sorry, wife, I decided to follow this guy. You know, and Like, no, they stayed in their marriage, they stayed in their families, but they began to remove things from the rest of their life to make room for Jesus. Sorry, I'm completely lost in my notes. Like I said, it's been a while, okay? Uh, But, okay, so... So the, those disciples, you know, they met Jesus that first time, hung out of his house. Now they, they've seen him again. They see that he really is who he said he is. And now they're like, we're ready to follow. You know, and there'll be people in your life that, that will eventually be your disciples or people that you could disciple. But they may not be interested in, you know, partnering with you right away. they may be a little bit unsure of, of what it is because they, they need to get to know you and to see you. And that's the importance of getting them into your life and just being around them, right, so that they get to see who you really are. But when other people who were in Peter's life, James and John, saw what had happened, they also decided to follow Jesus. Now, we see that when we start looking through the Gospels, we see that Jesus ran into a mutual friend of of his disciples named Philip. He is from the same town as Andrew and Peter. And he's like, hey, why don't you come along too, Philip? And he's like, yeah, sure, why not, stranger? And I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? But it was Jesus' reputation that made it worth following. And then Philip went and found another friend, and he brought him to Jesus as well. And now this friend's name was uh, Nathaniel, and he questioned whether Jesus was really who he was. He's like, all right, Philip, sure, like, this guy's the Messiah. Sure it is. And uh, when Nathaniel came and ran into Jesus, Jesus had a word of knowledge about where he had just been. And Nathaniel says, you really are who you are. Now you're thinking, wow, I'm not going to be able to disciple people because I am not Jesus. Like, Jesus. He's doing all these miracles. Like, I've gone fishing with people, and we've caught zero fish. Like, there's no way they're going to want to be my disciple. And um, now, maybe, yeah, it was a little bit easier for Jesus being the Messiah. But the reality is they just heard about who he was. They saw him doing the things he said he would do. And they were like, I need some of that in my life, a calling to something greater than what I've been involved in. And he just started inviting them along his journey. There wasn't anything special There wasn't like, well, if you want to be my disciple, we're going to start a book study, you know, next week. Uh, we're going to read through this book. You got to finish chapter one by next week or you're out. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't anything like that. You know, chapter one's fishing for men. And, uh, you no, know, it's just come follow me. Come be a part of what I'm doing already. Come hang out at my house. Come be a part of all these things. Right, our reputation should precede us. That we should be seen as a safe place in darkness in the world around us. Right? A light on a hill. A person who enhances the situations we are in. The Bible shares another encounter with Jesus making a disciple in Luke 5, 27-32. It says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also came and ate with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And now, couple thoughts about this is first, don't be afraid to talk to people in the world around you, in your workplace or in environments that don't feel like church. That's actually where Jesus says, please go to those places. That's who we are here for. That's why I came, right? But also don't fear people who are different like social statuses or different places in life than you. You know, even if it's just like different generations or different things, don't fear those interactions, but embrace those moments, right? Because Jesus was not afraid to, go into the social status of a tax collector and say, come be my disciple. Because not only were tax collectors like, looked upon as scum, as the, the religious people said, but they were also fairly wealthy. They had a lot of money. They, they had a lot of prestige in their community because of the money they had. And Jesus would not have been on that level, but went to him anyways and said, come and follow me. Right? But also, don't be afraid to go to places that might mess up your reputation. Right? To be where people who need Jesus are. Right? If you're invited over to a friend's house or you know, a party that's not like your normal scene, I mean, go. Be a part of it as long as it's not like a place of temptation. okay? Um, because those people need Jesus. right? And that's where Jesus kept finding himself over and over again. In Luke chapter 6, it shows us that Jesus picked, out of all the people who wanted to follow him, because there was crowds that kept coming to where he was, he picked 12 people that he would say, you will be my disciples, my main disciples. Right? And This is important because Jesus picked only 12, right? You cannot disciple everybody. I cannot disciple all of you, right? If Jesus could only do 12 and one of them wanted to murder him, like, the odds in this place are not great for me, okay? And so, but that's why it's important that we all disciple. We all were commanded to do this. We need everyone to reach the world. And really do what Jesus commanded of us. And if Jesus can only do 12, then maybe we should start with like two or three. Find people in your life that you want to spend time with, that you, that you look up to, that have qualities in their life that you know you need. Find other people who are struggling, you know, in areas that you've already struggled through and say, hey, come hang out with me. I want to help you. Making disciples is not just about getting people saved. If you you follow that command is go make disciples of every nation, but then begin to teach them to obey everything that you've been commanded. So all the things that that you have learned about God is your responsibility to pass on and teach to other people around you. And as we look through the Gospels, Jesus rarely had his disciples come in and sit like in the classroom style. Now he did, you know, there's many sermons that he spoke and many times it says that, you know, a crowd gathered and he got up and he spoke to the crowds. But in the relationship with his disciples, it's often they're just on a journey. They're walking from city to city, and, you know, the disciples have questions. And most of them were not brilliant questions. But Jesus stopped, and he talked to them. There's literally one time Jesus said, are you so dull? Um, And, uh, you know, and I I relate to that. And, uh, but that, that was Jesus just taking them through life. It was like, hey, we're doing this miracle right now. Um, and I really want you guys to be involved in this. And then afterwards you'd be like, do you understand how that happened and why that happened? You know, and the next day they're, they're walking somewhere and there's, you know, questions. And Jesus starts eating something on the Sabbath, you know, and he did some work. And they're like, I don't think, didn't know that was right. And Jesus is like, yeah, let's sit down and let's chat about that. And it goes into a whole spiel about what it looks like to live a life like Christ. And that's what discipleship is. It's just having people in your life. And when things come up, whether it's questions or things you're experiencing and realize you know, hey, this would be helpful for you. Right? Even down to like just general life, like how to live in this world. Discipleship is not any harder than just doing the life you're already living. It just means inviting someone to be a part of the journey. And life's better together anyway, so why wouldn't you not want to do that? Teaching your disciples is not my job. Okay, I, I'm here to speak to everybody, to encourage us all to be the people that Jesus has called us all to be and to get there. But it is your job to teach your disciples. Right, This is your full-time job as a Christian. When you said, I want to be someone who follows Christ, you took on a full-time job to then take Jesus to other people. Right now, you may have another job that provides for you monetarily. But even in that job, you're called to disciple people. Jesus entrusted us to spread the movement of his kingdom. He has done so the same way that he started, right? By finding 12 people who were dedicated, spending his life with them, and then releasing them to do the same. And that's how we got here today. Isn't that crazy that through discipleship, you guys are here today? Jesus had no plan B, right? And, you know, I don't think it's the best plan, to be honest. You know, we're very imperfect. We're, as we're talking about, we don't do a great job at always following what Jesus says. You know, I, have some, like, if I had met with God, I'd be like, you know, why don't you just send, like, angels to deliver the gospel to every doorstep, you know? People would believe that, right? angel knocks, and it's not Jehovah's Witness. It's just, I mean, they're witnessing of Jehovah, but, you know, it's a little different. And they're like, I'm an angel sent from the Lord. Here's the gospel. Believe. And they're like, I believe, you know? Like, why does he send me to do it? But that was the plan that he has. And it, it's on us. You know, it's a weight that we should bear, that Jesus is saying it's enough for you to bear. It's not too much for you to bear. I'm, I've promised to help you to be with you. That's the promise at the end of that command is, and surely I will be with you. But it's on us, right? And you're not only to get people to church. Okay, that, that's not what it says. It didn't say, therefore, go and invite someone to church and your job is done. <laughs> right? like that, that's not what it says. It says you make the disciples and then you teach them. That is discipleship, right? Getting someone to church could be a step of the way and should be a step of the way. It's probably not even the first step. And it's for sure not discipleship on its own. Right now, some of you may feel unqualified, right? There's many moments in my life that I feel unqualified. But I bet that each of you knows something because of your life experiences, because of, you know, what, what has happened to you or things that you've studied that could benefit other people in this room on all sides. I know that, you know, it, even as a, a pastor who's been studying and preaching the word for many years, there's many times in my life, you know, reading a book and catch something new or even in conversations with people here that it's like, oh, I've never considered that that way. I was back, like, on vacation, I met with a pastor friend of mine. He used to be one of our staff pastors, and uh, he, he leads the Bible study there, and he was like, have you ever noticed this verse? And we started chatting about it, and he was like, you know what's crazy is that I was leading the Bible study, and one of the people in the church was, like, pointed out that verse and gave this cool meaning to it, and he was like, I, I didn't even know it was in the Bible, you know? And I was like, me neither, you know, crazy. And, uh, you know, just like a one little blip, but it takes all the different ways that we experience and see life to be able to grow together and be who Jesus called us to be. Um, if you have been through Growth Track, you'll see that we, we talk about discipleship in some kind of updated terms to help us really understand what it's supposed to look like. And that is that we are called to be spiritual travel guides and not spiritual travel agents. Right? So let's say you're planning a vacation and uh, you want to go white. Water rafting, like white, crazy, crazy, You know, the full helmet things. You're paddling and splashing everywhere. Like, how many of you guys would go on that vacation? Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like, ten of us. Um, the rest of you guys, you know, well, have fun with your life. Um, no, but right. You, if you were looking into that vacation, you could call up a travel agent, and they're gonna say, you know what? There's some great um, river guides in the area. You know. And these ones you know, are in this area. These ones are over here. You know, I've heard some good ones about this. You, know, you can get on Google. They'll, they'll direct you to Google to read the reviews. You know, and, and they'll be like, OK. And they're, they're, they might even call and schedule the time. All right, you know, 10 AM Monday morning, you're going to meet at this location. Good luck to you. And the agent's job is done. Right? They're out. Right? When you fall off that boat and you're drowning, the agent doesn't even care. Right? They already got their paycheck. And they're like, you know, if you don't live, I, I don't care anymore, you know, but a guide, right? You can call a guide service and you would talk to them. They're going to tell you, you know, hey, this river is the best river for this right now. This is the best spot to be. But what's even greater than that is that when you show up there at 10 a.m. on Monday, they are also there. And they're like, you know, let's make sure your helmet doesn't fall off when it smashes into that rock. You know, and they buckle you in and they get your life vest all buckled and tight. And then when you get on the boat, they're like, this is how you paddle, you know, so we don't die all together. And their life is dependent on you doing your job. Right. But their job is also to make sure that your life is still there at the end. Right. When you fall out of the water, they're the ones that are redirecting you to catch you, to pull you back into the boat. They're, they're in the whole chaos with you, all the way through to the end of the ride. And when they get done, you're high-fiving, man, we made it. This is awesome. Man, you guys did such a great job. They're encouraging you. you know, they're helping you take your gear back off. Your life becomes their responsibility. Now, I think churches for years have been set up to be led by you know, one or a small group of travel guides, and everybody else just acts as agents. Right? like Maybe you guys bring a new person into the church and that person has questions. Instead of like, you know, hey, let me help you out with that. Let me get you buckled in that life vest. It's like, you know, that guy over there knows a lot about life vests. Go talk to them. You know, let's call up the pastor. Right? Actually, maybe I'll just give you the number. You can, you can reach out whenever you want to. You know, or that small group leader, they talk about those stuff. Right? And you would be like, man, I feel good. Help that person get closer to Jesus today. But we've all been called to be guides. We don't need any travel agents, okay? If you came here applying to be a travel agent, sorry, you're out. Um, We're only looking for guides here because we're all called to do that. I mean, if you bring someone to church, you're still responsible to continue to disciple them. Like your job doesn't end when they show up here. Have you taught them everything that you know? The problem is I'm hoping that you're continuing to learn and therefore you will always have more things to teach Sometimes our growth as Christians plateaus or feels like it's stalled in life because we've not taken the responsibility for the other lives around us. Man, unlike being a white water rafting guide, you know there, there isn't a whole bunch of courses you need to take or anything. There's no uh, safety course. You know how horrible it would be if you got there in your guide and was like, "Today's my first day, <laughs> right? I watched a YouTube video, but let's go." You know, and you're like, are we supposed to wear those helmets? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't, not on YouTube, you know, and like, you'd be like, oh, that's messed up. But the good thing about what God has called us to is the, the requirement is just to teach what you've learned. And if you've learned something, then you are qualified to then begin to make disciples. Right? And hopefully that'll drive you to dig deeper into scripture and and get involved in Bible studies and do all those other things so that you do have a better understanding to continue to teach those people because you feel that responsibility of the life around you, right? That's why the travel guides take those courses because your life becomes their responsibility. If If you get hurt, they get in trouble, right? But we often live our Christian lives. If they get hurt, that's their problem, right? But that's not what God called us to do or how to be with that. Right? When your friend is out of the boat, you better be reaching out and pulling them back in. Now, discipleship doesn't start at salvation. It starts at building relationships. Right now, um, years ago, they, there was this uh, timeline thing that came out. And it was like a zero to ten scale on a line. And uh, so, like, ten would be, like, a perfect Christian, being like Jesus. Like, you're not a ten until you get to heaven. My wife's a 10, but she's only one. Uh, okay, but uh, right, you're not a 10 until you get to heaven, and zero would be unsaved, one would be saved. And this is how they basically, like, scaled everybody in America, right? And, and so discipleship was moved along this scale, where, like, zero, unsaved, one, you got saved, two, like, you know, you, you start attending church regularly, three, you're in a small group, or whatever, and so on and so forth, till 10, a mature, you know, Christian who looks exactly like Jesus, but the reality is that our world no longer exists like that. Um, they, they reevaluate the scale and it goes 10 to negative 10. With zero still being like someone who's almost about to become Christian, one being Christian. Because the reality is in America, you know, 20, 30 years ago, majority of people had a basic understanding of Christianity, right? They, they probably had all attended church at some point in their lives or a Christian um, thing where they had heard the gospel, now, they might not have been a follower yet, but they were all at zero because they had a basic understanding. But the world we live in has generations of people who have not attended church ever, that have never heard the gospel right outside of our doors. Right? And so they don't exist at a zero because your first conversation with them, they're not going to be like, yes, I am ready to understand that, I accept that. They're probably living at like a negative five because they, they don't understand it. They don't know anything about it. Right? But then there's also people in our world, sad to say, that have been hurt by the church, been hurt by leadership, been hurt by things that have happened. And so they're at like negative 10 because they, they don't, not only do they not know or want to be involved, like they're actively against Christianity. Right? So discipleship is moving people anywhere on this scale towards 10. Right? So if you have a friend that is anti-church and anti-Christians and they say to you, you're the first Christian I've met that I don't think is the worst person in the world. They might move to like 9.5. And you have begun discipleship. Right, just right there. Or maybe the first, you're the first person that's ever told this person about Jesus. And now they're no longer negative five, they're negative four. It says on average it takes someone seven times of hearing the gospel before they're, they're willing to receive. And they're ready to say, you know, I think I want to make this decision. Right, so there's a lot of space. But each one of those things is part of discipleship, right? When you're at work and an unbelieving coworker talks about things they're going through, some hardship or life, and you, you say, do you want to get coffee later and talk about that? Or you stop in that moment and pray with them, you are discipling them because you are helping them take a step towards Jesus, right? And so that is what discipleship should look like. Maybe it's just saying to a coworker that started working at your job, would you like to come to my house and have dinner with me? Maybe they're new to the area. Maybe they've said, I don't really have a lot of friends, and you decide, I want to be your friend. The end. Right? Let's be friends. That is discipleship. You're bringing them, inviting them into your life. So I say this again, discipleship doesn't start at salvation, it starts at building relationship. Just like Jesus invited those people to hang out with him. These are the basics of building a relationship. Okay? For some of you guys who are like super introverts, you're like, no thanks, I don't, I don't do that. You know, that's... That's not my wheelhouse. Is there a different way to disciple? No. So, sorry. The basics of building a relationship is learning someone's name. And then hopefully they'll learn your name. Right? And then you begin to learn their story. And eventually they'll ask about your story. And that's when you get to begin talking about what Jesus has done in your life. And you don't got to flood them with everything. But your story should involve Jesus if you're part of a church. If, you're, if you say you're a Christian, right, one of uh, my favorite things that's happened since we moved here is uh, Noah and I go hang out with a couple other guys, Jimmy and uh, Andrew, who's gone, and a couple other people have come, but we on Thursday nights, we've been going to Mexico Cafe, and uh, there's a server there who's a young guy, and we've just been getting to know him, you know, and so we asked to sit in his section every time we go, and learning his name. And we call him by his name, and we're meeting other people there, and we're learning their names, and they're beginning to know our names. And they've, with uh, Angel, he's begin to share his story and life that he's been through, and we've been able to share that we're pastors, and we, you know, go to church and stuff. And because of that, he started going to church, right? And when we first met him, he was very like, "I will never go to church." Um, he had some really weird experience. Uh, but, like, he's, even, he's reached out to us. He, he asked us to pray for him with things going on in his life. Like, all that took was just building some relationship. Right? And that you can do anywhere. Uh, and we only did that because we heard about our regional director, him and his wife, for the longest time of Open Bible, our regional director. They just decided they were going to go to the same restaurant every Sunday. So that they could just be a witness in their community. And they thought they were being real sneaky and not telling people they're pastors. And they got to know everybody they're in there, and all these stories and helped all these people out. And um, made a really big impact on this community of just people that worked at this restaurant. Right? Discipleship doesn't have to be hard, right? I mean, we go, we eat food, we have margarita, or a few. And, uh, and we were discipling people. I, I don't know. It, it's really as simple as Jesus said. Now, for me, sometimes it's just hard to do things when I don't know the end goal. Um, usually if somebody comes up to me and they, they want me to help them with something, my first question is, like, what are we trying to accomplish? Right? What, what's the end goal here? Because I, I don't want to steer you in a direction that we're not headed towards. And uh, so the, the end goal of discipleship is for all of us to look more like Jesus whether it's ourselves, the people that we're discipling, the people who are guiding us. And the reality is we should all be travel guides who have a travel guide guiding us and guiding someone else who then is guiding someone else. And this chain thing is what God's picture of spreading Christianity around the world was supposed to look like. Okay, and so here's the practical application today. Um, I've been digging around trying to find a tool to help us with intentional discipleship. Because there's, there's unintentional discipleship where you just keep happening to be around each other, um, and you're like, I've learned some things from these people, because we just keep being there. But there's intentional discipleship where you choose to actively invite people into your lives, yeah. and where you've actively asked someone to be a guide in your life. Um, you know, for me, moving out here, um, I left one of my my guides. You know, he's, he's still back in Iowa, and we call and um, check up every once in a while, but it's a lot harder for us. We're both busy, and uh, we don't always, we're not able to connect as much, but we used to meet pretty much every other week for coffee every morning. Now, I had to be really intentional with him because is very busy and also forgetful, and uh, so I would put it on the calendar, and every time we got coffee, we scheduled the next one, but I would always reach out a day or two before and say, hey, we're still on for this day, right? And when He had accidentally scheduled something over me because I'm not a priority in his life. No, uh, We would just reschedule because it was important to me to have a guide in my life. I know that I need it. Now, moving out here, I don't have that relationship, you know, and and, uh, so I was actually back in Iowa talking to um, some of my pastor friends there, and they brought up that they have a connection who lives right out here, who pastors another church. And so I intentionally reached out to him and said, hey, I'm looking for someone who can speak into my life. Would you be willing to meet with me? And so I'm meeting with him in a week. And because I I just want you guys to know that just because I'm a pastor up here doesn't mean I don't have a guide and that I'm not doing these same things and that it wasn't hard, like, easy for me to just go find someone and reach out, okay? But I need to do that because I'm guiding some of you guys. You need to see that in my life, too. But anyways, I've been looking for a tool, and most of the tools are programs, books, or studies, which are helpful along the way, but... That's not what Jesus did. Right? His discipleship was so much more organic, his relationships that he he made along the way of his life and invited people in. And I could give you a book on discipleship. Right? I could put you in in small groups where you know and, and force you to go somehow. You know, I'm not very big, but I'm tougher than I look. Uh, right? But I could force you guys to try and be in a relationship. We've, talked to, we've been uh, talking in staff meeting about what can we do. We're like, what if we set up like a, a speed dating but discipleship style, you know? And so that you guys were like forced to talk to each other and maybe you'll meet, make a connection, you know, and we'll score you guys and then we'll just force you to hang out. I, like, but the problem is that won't work because it needs to be organic. Yeah, and so what we do have is we have church on Sundays. And now this time... Like where you're all sitting is a horrible time to start making disciples, okay? Uh, because you're not learning to know, get to know really anybody else in this moment but Jesus and a little bit about me. And that's not it. But if you come early and you hang out for coffee and donuts and have conversations with people, you might run into someone that you go, I need to learn from them. I need them in my life. Right? Or you hang out afterwards and have conversations with people afterwards. You may find out, wow, there's someone that I can help, that I could be a guide to. Someone that I connect with and want to invite into my life. Right? We also have small groups. We have men's and women's ministries. We have the small groups for different hobbies and things that you guys would enjoy so you can literally connect with other people you already have interest in. Right? Because small groups are great, but discipleship is even better. Now, I also want to help you get going today. and uh, So we did this at the beginning of the year and I hope that it made some connections, but um, I believe there's still we have new people coming. We you know, things have changed. So, um, if you are not intentionally being discipled by someone, like you have no travel guide in your life that's guiding you, and you would like one, would you raise your hand? All of you have travel guides in your life. <laughs> Simon says, "No <laughs> kidding." All right, um, good. All right, and uh, okay. No, wait. Raise your hands up higher again. I missed a step. Simon says, "Look around the room and go. Do those hands or those people that I could could I meet with any of them? Do I have connections with them? Can I get to know them and meet with them? You know, everybody, look around." Right. Simon says, "Look around, people. All right, please. It's not that hard. Okay. All right, put your hands down. Now maybe you're a spot in life that you say I'm. I don't. I'm not guiding anybody, right? My my Christian Christian walk is feeling like it's." getting stale or plateaued because I'm not pouring out to anybody, and you're like, I, I'm ready to guide someone. I, I don't have anyone in my life that I'm guiding. If that's you, and you're like, I want to guide someone, can you raise your hand? It could be the same. You can raise your hand for both, because you should be raising your hand for both. All right, look around the room. If you were looking for someone to speak into your life, look at those hands that are raised, okay? Because it is your job, your responsibility to go to one of those people and make that connection. Because Again, I, I can't do that. I, I've already forgot who's raised hands, okay? Uh, uh, but it's your responsibility right, to do what Jesus has asked you to do. Again, it's, it's simple. But it does take you doing some work. right? So make connections before you leave here today. Go to that person and say, hey, can we get coffee this week? All you know, right. This next week, can we can get something on the calendar where we can hang out. Um, Cesar Chavez says, "If you really want to make a friend, go to someone's house and eat with him. The people who give you their food give you their heart, um, right? You know, you guys know the phrase: the best way to someone's heart is through their stomach." Um, you no, know, it's um, ridiculous, right? Okay. Um, all right. And uh, we are working on building kind of a, a sign-up sheet thing where we just have a resource out there for people to sign up at any point, point saying, I want discipled or I want to disciple someone. or we'll get their name on a list that everybody can see. Um, it's not going to be a dating app. It's not going to make connections. We're not going to be like, do you enjoy long walks on the beach? So does this person. You'll be a great discipleship match. You know, go out. Um, right. But it will be some names and some numbers so you get a hold of people. Um, so be, be on the lookout for that. Um, I, mean, I highly encourage you, if you don't have intentional relationships like that with people in your lives, it, it will change your life. It's, I, there's two things that I would say have made all the spiritual growth in my life. Um, and one is just being in the presence of God. And the second is having people that I was intentional with meeting with who spoke into my life, who called me out when I was Messing up that I could go to and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. You don't have any amount of wisdom to give me. Or I go to them and say, I know what I'm doing. And they say, yeah, but that's a bad choice. You know, and they help me out and they get me back in line. Or they encourage me when I'm down. Or they've, you know, given me wisdom to be able to to continue moving forward. Right? Those two things. If you don't have those two things consistently in your life, right, then you're probably not growing too quickly to be like Jesus. Right? And that is our end goal. All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you that, um, you know, through this series, I just love looking at your life and, and understanding the ways that you modeled things, Lord. God, the, the, the reality is you've never called us to anything that was way too difficult for us. You haven't called us to something that you're not already, you know, preparing the way for, that you haven't already given us the, the skills and the ability to do. God, I just pray that you would just come, that you would give us the courage and the boldness to step up and build some of those relationships, God, that we would call up people, that we would connect with people, that we would talk with them and say, you know I, I need someone in my life. And that you would, they would begin to meet, God, and that, God, I pray that you would just lead people to the right people, that the connections would be made where they're at. God, because I want to see us be a church full of guides that are getting in and taking each other's lives as our responsibility, Lord. That were that were carrying in those same ways, that were pulling people out of the boat, you know, out of the water, back into the boat. That were showing them how to make it through life. Because I know that I've needed it in my life, and still do. How would you help us to be open people? Lord, you help us to be lights in the darkness that are in our workplaces or in our neighborhoods and the world around us, Lord, that that people would hear of our reputation, that are the things we, we know because we're with you, the hope that we have because of you. And that they would just want to be a part of our lives from that. God, help us have the boldness to to speak up into people's lives, to invite people over to um, build those relationships, Lord. God, we just love you so much. We know that you've given us everything that we need for living a godly life. So God, would we be able to tap into that and see you be fruitful in our lives and move through us? In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. amen. All right, Jesus says, go make disciples. So go make disciples, okay?